Welcome to our fall series of procurement innovation. We're excited for having you join us. We took a little hiatus over the summer, and I'm very excited about our first guest today. She's the CEO and president for the Center for Asian Pacific American Women, and just recently was one of the key speakers on how women are coping with the global pandemic. So I, I'm very excited for our first guest, Sue Ann Hong. How are you doing today? Hello. Thank you so much for inviting me, and I'm doing well. I'm glad to be here. Great. Uh, Sue, it was an absolute pleasure to be. I, I think I was kind of a pseudo panelist because I was just uh, getting the questions from the audience. <laughs> but uh, it, it was just fantastic and some of the great information that you and the panelists were sharing for what women, especially women of color, have had to endure through the pandemic. And, you know, if, as we talked during that day and then coming into today, I wanted to get a better flavor for specifically, you know, your area in the Center uh, for Asian Pacific American Women. How have you guys had to deal with the pandemic? Because I know that it, it's a little bit different with other challenges that we're facing as a, as this ethnic group. So I just wanted to kind of have you uh, share with the audience, you know, things that you guys are bringing to address that issue. Well, thank you so much uh, for the opportunity to talk about the Center for Asian Pacific American Women. Um, I want to share a little bit about the organization itself. Um, it's, it was formed back in 1995 by Martha Lee, who was the founder and you know, she observed, obviously, that in the mid-90s that Asian-American women were not taken seriously as leaders. It didn't matter whether or not they had PhDs, if they were skilled, they were not invited to leadership tables. And so her and her, I call them warrior sisters, 18 of them, decided to form this, you know, this organization initially called the Asian Pacific American Women's Leadership Institute. And the irony of that is, you know, she had asked a hundred of her friends to give a hundred dollars each to start this organization with her background at the Kellogg Foundation. The ironic thing is, Raj, is that unfortunately we're still dealing with some similar things today. And so with the pandemic, to your question, really has provided challenges for Asian American women. And especially in the last year, women of color, you know, if you think about the statistics at the end of last year, women, women of color, especially 140,000 jobs cut, 56,000 job losses for, and they were all women. And Caucasian men gained 16,000 jobs. And so, you know, women have been really getting the brunt of the pandemic and the impact of it, including obviously the non-paid type of work, whether it's elder care and childcare and trying to manage their home and work. And I always say like being a mom is not delegable. So I think there's some interesting challenges and there's, there's we're still trying to recover. So I think, you know, when you talk about you know, where women are at right now, it's, it's been very challenging in the last year. No, I understand. And I, I appreciate you giving an overview of how the organization started, because I know that, you know, I've been familiar with the, the ACE at the national level and the great work that you guys have been doing uh, throughout the country, also at, at the different councils. But it is, you know, always the focus is on leadership and getting further penetration through that glass ceiling. But now we're sitting there almost, 
I don't want to say back to square one, but with the pandemic, it's kind of like, I know that your organization's focused so much on leadership, but you have to also be focused on, on the blocking and tackling at the bump. How do you guys balance that? Because you got two significant challenges in front of you. So Raj, that's a great question because at the end of the day, um, we've got to go back to almost the fundamentals. Like, do women have jobs? <laughs> you know, like, do, yeah. Are they getting paid properly? Are they able to support and put food on the table? So one of the things that um, we've ha all had to do, I think is, and you probably hear the word pivot so much. And part of that is one of the things that I'm really excited about is creating hope for the future by, you know, partnering with, uh, organizations like National ACE, who, as an example, just put out a whole a partnership with Grubhub, as an example, and did a whole uh, AAPI restaurant fund for small businesses and owners who really don't have things like a website or social media presence or, you know, they're mom and pops. And they're trying to do their best to give, provide brands. So I was part of that. I, you know, I was part of uh, the, the, I was assigned a zone of six states and said, Suanne, please help us by getting applications for these specific states for those restaurateurs who need help. And so I am literally right now, uh, as an example, reviewing 100 applications from all over the six states, including Georgia, to provide my feedback on, you know, the $10,000 grant per restaurant that they're giving away up to over $2 million around the country. So that's one example of now we've got a, to your point, block and tackle. And another example is, you know, again, you know, um, I think that uh, UPS and um, National Ace did a partnership to give away $5,000 mini grants to retailers, small retailers who are trying to make it. And uh, so they're giving away 27 of those uh, micro grants as an example. So that's another example of some of the community work. And of course, there's a whole work behind Stop AAPI Hate at the national level. And, uh, and so there's a tremendous amount of civic engagement that I never thought I would be involved in. No, no, that's, that's great to hear. I, I know the challenge, you know, and don't want to digress too much, but we're back to the same challenges, as you said, is the, you know, the 90s, not only are we not getting the momentum to within the, the boardrooms, the C-suite, getting jobs, but you're now dealing with, unfortunately, a, a rash and increase of racism and other things that we had hoped had been, you know, at least leveled out. And it's one more huge challenge. And I know that you guys are doing an extraordinary job to tackle that in whatever way you can. Is there anything you'd like to share with our audience on what they can do to better support an ally with the Asian Pacific American community? Yes, absolutely. You know, Stop Bay API Hate uh, produces a national report. And, you know, as I think about the last year, March of 2020 to uh, June of 21, and remember that's after what happened in Atlanta, right? With the mass shootings and, and, the, and the six Asian American women were killed in that mass shooting. And you're still talking about over 9,000 AAPI hate reports, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, 
March to March, it was 6,600. So after the shooting, we still, it was still went up to 9,000, over 9,000. And I'm thinking in my mind, what is it going to take? And yeah. the two thirds of the reports are coming from AAPI women. And the verbal harassment and shunning make up over two thirds, you know, of the reports, which means, you know, it's that deliberate avoidance of Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders. And the fact that that is significant. And then you still have things like physical assault, you know, all, just under 14% as an, the, the next category. And, you're, you know, and you see some of the, you know, the extreme situations, like with the elderly, you see that on, you know, YouTube or, uh, you know, it's just for no reason they're being attacked. So the safety of our most vulnerable people in our community is significant and we need to make sure that we are not perpetuating that. So things like bystander training, like Hollaback offers bystander training. That's a great opportunity to learn about how to do that. Uh, the OCA national does, uh, you know, uh, training also on, in this area, there are resources available for people to get educated on what to do if they observe you know, of course, being safe themselves, only if, you know, you feel like you can intervene safely, there are ways to handle those things. And there's education around that that can be learned if people are interested, as an example. No, I appreciate that. So I know that there's a lot of organizations that are trying to do their best. It's just absolutely unfortunate that we're sitting here in a pandemic, in an economic tsunami, having to deal with basic, you know, fundamentals of uh, humanity at the same time that just five years ago, I know that we're trying to grow people to get to the board. So you're like dealing with so many challenges. It's extraordinary. Um, can you kind of share, you know, I'm going to pivot again is, you know, as your organization, what's, if you had certain goals and objectives, obviously it's just to make it through this pandemic and dealing with all these other challenges, but what are some of the longer term goals that you guys have for your organization to know that you're headed on the right path? So, you know, our mission is to build whole person leaders, one person at a time. You know, I don't know, Raj, if you were ever in a corporate space where I don't know if you remember people saying, you know what, leave your personal problems at the door. And I'm thinking in my mind, <laughs> and how is that working for you? You know, and because we bring our whole selves to work, we may be managing those things that are outside of the workspace, but right now work and home are all merged into one space. So I think part of what we're trying to do is what are we going to do to support AAPI women in their development to be seen and heard and to be taken seriously and to be viable as leaders. And I think about the fact that, you know, the perception of not just keeping your head down and working hard or, you know what, we stay quiet and, you know, we just do our work and we don't join in any, you know, social events because we're too busy taking care of our families or whatnot. And at the same time, we're not taking serious as leaders, which is probably to me the most, you know, damaging perception because we're very viable. Uh, and so I think part of it is not only leadership development with the overlay of the cultural acumen of AAPI women at the, so what I'm trying to do is what are we going to do to build up their self-confidence to speak up for themselves, speak up for, you know, the community that they serve, which is part of what we do in our leadership program, 
is not only are you benefiting, are you learning, but then we want you to impact community. So that's the long term. It's always been the core of what we do. So that I don't see that changing and I see that expanding for the future. The second part is that, you know, our board members, which I'm so fortunate to have the board members that I have, you know, they said, Sue Ann, you know, we've got a lot of great information and things that we can share with other women of color. So let's, you know, what are we doing to expand our audience so that we can also support other women of color? So I have a women of color cohort right now that are that we just started in June and it's in conjunction with the Walmart Foundation, the Center for Racial Equity. And we're doing work around developing young women of color and Asian women, black women, Native American women are included in that along with uh, Latinx women. So to me, that's tremendous in terms of creating allyship of women who have been only in the workforce five years or less in order to create that allyship and expanding their network and demonstrating that they can make a difference early on in their career for themselves and for others. So I see that expanding as well. That's great. Is there any specific event or, um, um, or conference or anything you want to highlight to take a few minutes to go ahead and talk about that's coming up the remainder of 2021? I know we're living in a virtual landscape, but is there anything that you want to let our audience, because our audience, you know, spans both corporate, nonprofit, and, you know, finance, procurement, supply chain, diversity? So first of all, I so appreciate, Raj, this is exactly an example of allyship right here. So part of what I would ask is three things. One is allyship could be providing a platform for someone to talk about their work that expands the audience. And so people know about the work and they can support. And when I think about support, it's time. It's so time, talent, or funding. You can support in those ways. If you have expertise in leadership development, and if you want to contribute that way, that's one way. But there are other ways besides if you're not, you know, if you can't afford to give right now, but that is, those are different ways that you can um, provide support. I would say two things in terms of events. One is monthly, we have an event that's virtual with OCA in conjunction with OCA Asian American, uh, Asian American, uh, and that group is a civil rights group, but at the same time, they have a development track for women. So we do a monthly series. So September 25th, we have celebrity chef Katie Chen, who is not only a chef, but entrepreneur and has a legacy. And we want to highlight these women. October, we're going to talk about women in Pacific Islander women in leadership, which I feel like they need to be highlighted. So monthly, we have series. And then mark your calendars for March 10th through the 12th of 2022 in Houston, we're going to have a women of color conference in Houston and there's more to come on that, but we feel like we probably don't want to do anything in person for us until uh, next year, just to make sure that we can, you know, we don't do anything to jeopardize ourselves health wise. Totally understandable. I'm, I'm glad, uh, you know, to hear all these things and also the fact that you're leveraging other organizations to drive basically a similar message for everybody 
now, uh, you know, I know that your website, uh, just so all the, the folks know, and I, I hope I get it right, APAwomen.org. Is, do, did is I get it correct. right? A, yes, APAwomen.org. And the one last thing I want to mention is the Asian Pacific American Women's Leadership Institute. The APALI program is relaunching uh, in December, and I highly encourage AAPI women. Uh, the target audience is like that mid-level career women who need either development or they want to, they need support from other AAPI women who have maybe some similar experiences and they need a community or a network. And then maybe sometimes you don't, you want to make a change in your career, in your life, and you're not quite sure where to go. So normally we attract those type of women who want to further discover themselves. So we're going to relaunch the starting at the end of the year. Oh, so, that's fantastic. And I know yeah. you mentioned before you also had fellows is that part of this program yeah the fellowship is the and that's the you know once you graduate from the apali program you're a fellow for life because we're not a membership organization gotcha gotcha and i know the headquarters is in san francisco so how are you in atlanta (laughs) (laughs) Ah, that's a great question well you know what you know i don't know if this is a genius of my founder or or not but the the organization has always been virtual We've never had a bricks and mortars model. And I think that's because of it provides a lot of nimbleness. And at the same time, I think because our board members are all over the country, it just didn't make sense. And our programming has always been rotating from city to city in the past. So I think it just didn't make sense. So we just picked San Francisco because our previous executive director was there. So I just left it in San Francisco. Well, there you go. So that, that works. So let, let's do, so let's kind of pivot a little bit and talk about yourself. You know, you've been in this, I, I know you've been part of this organization from the ground up, building it and bringing, uh, you know, such great uh, visibility to the organization and getting the message out. But I know you've been in the C-suite of this role for, I think, a couple of years now. What is, what is, where is your path as it relates to this organization? Well, first of all, I'm an immigrant. I came to the U.S. when I was eight from Seoul, Korea, and I actually got adopted by my aunt. And then we actually, you know, I flew by myself. I met her, you know, through going through Hawaii, L.A., finally met her in Chicago. And we literally flew to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And I share that because the whole immigrant experience and kind of this being only, that resonated throughout my entire probably, uh, you know, growing up and and my career is being one of few or one of a handful of women in in the role of working for a Fortune 50 corporate company for 28 and a half years. So my background is very corporate. And so what I realized is that, you know, like every corporation, they go through a reorganization and they said, Sue Ann, we would love to have you do this role over here, or there's also an option to take, you know, a package. But the offer that I received was a, was a level below where I was for nine and a half years. And it wasn't that I was losing money that much or, you know, all that. I think it was more about value. And how, you know, did I perceive what my value was? at the organization that I love. And so I did a deep soul searching and decided, you know what, I think I can serve my purpose 
doing something else and open myself up, but I have no idea what that is. And I literally said, okay, I'm going to leave, but I was scared out of my mind, frankly. And, but I thought I'm going to do it because I feel like I can contribute in a different way with the things that I love around development. So I became, you know, the first thing I did three days after I left was I literally got a coach, like got certified as a coach, a career coach or a life coach, I should say. And, uh, you know, my, uh, I had a, um, uh, a good friend of mine who was on the board of OCA and Kapan. She's like, what are you doing? And I said, I don't know. I have no idea what I'm doing. And she said, well, you know what, what, what about, uh, can you step in as an interim executive director for the center for Asian Pacific American women? And, uh, because we just lost our executive director and I said, Oh, okay. Let me think about that. And so within one week, I literally accepted the job for Kapa. So that's how it all started, but I'm familiar with Kapa because I'm also a fellow. There you go. Wow. What an amazing story. So we didn't, you know, last time when we were on the panel, uh, you brought up that you were in Upper Peninsula and I didn't share. I am originally from Michigan. No, so, really? Yeah, yes. <laughs> how, yeah. how much time? I'm originally <laughs> from the Southeast portion. I, uh, my dad, who was also an immigrant, came to the States in the 60s. So this is a long, long time ago. So I grew up in Ann Arbor, right outside of Detroit. And uh, many people know I ended up uh, then going to school a little bit further north uh, in East Lansing. So uh, Michigan State. Yes. Okay. Well, I graduated uh, with my MBA from Western Michigan University in Kalamazoo. So go Bronx. Go we were right off of that I ninety four corridor. Yeah. So, so how how long were you in Upper Peninsula? Um, I was there through my grade school and then we moved to then Kalamazoo or Portage Kalamazoo. Uh, and that was probably what, uh, high. So yeah, that, that was, uh, that was an interesting experience because it, it really taught me about racism right then that I think because I was the only, and I felt like an anomaly when I went to the UP and I knew right away that I was different and uh, I had to figure out how to fit in very quickly. So that was my first experience of, Oh, I got to figure out how do I fit into the mainstream? Yeah. That's a separate discussion. We're going to have to have a whole different podcast (laughs) because I I can guarantee you, you might've been the only South Korean in the upper peninsula. (laughs) Well, Raj, I I can't believe you lived in Ann Arbor and went to MSU, MSU. Like what, what's going on there? Hey, when you're w- one mile away from the university and you grow, you, I, I think it's, uh, you, you don't want to stay at home, right? And, I, and MSU was a much better fit for me. And I know yeah. the people who went to U of M are now going to start hating on me and not listening to this podcast anymore. So, <laughs> so uh, Sue, that, that's a journey. We'll, we'll have to uh, uh, peel that onion another time. But uh, Absolutely. You know. Is there anything else you'd like to share about, you know, the work that you guys are doing? I know you gave some great uh, information about events coming up, about your website. Anything else on the social media side that you want to highlight that people can follow? Uh, we are definitely on Twitter, uh, hashtag CTRAPA women. Uh, we are on Facebook. I'm very active on LinkedIn. So uh, please connect with me on LinkedIn, Sue Ann Hong, and uh, I'll be out there. And uh, all of our events, I post up 
no, I think it's a great community for professionals to connect. And uh, I, I really think that's been very helpful for us. And one other thing I'm going to say as an ask, um, and that is, you know, allyship and the fact that please, please support, you know, and when you're looking at your talent and your, whether it's a nonprofit or for-profit and corporate space, please look at your total talent and make sure that you're asking questions about the talent that you have and leveraging who you have, because my bet is there's probably a lot of hidden talent there, but you have to actually discover it. And no, those are no, that, women of color. No, that's great. You know, th those are great messages that uh, should resonate, you know, not only, uh, you know, this is a procurement podcast, but at the end of the day, procurement and supply chain is focused on the, the strength and growth of entrepreneur businesses on helping people get uh, connected in organizations, making sure we have the right tier talent. So I think it's not only just an HR issue, it's a whole corporate issue. So uh, for all those listening, uh, you know, Sue, you can, you've heard how you can reach out to Sue to better support your organization. She's doing amazing things for the help of growth and leadership within the Asian American community, but also dealing with some of the massive challenges with the pandemic and unfortunately some of the racism that still exists today. So Sue, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule and joining us today. Uh, you know, we look forward to continuing this conversation in, in the coming months. Thank you so much, Raj. This was such a pleasure. Well, great. And uh, once again, uh, we would like to thank Sue Suen Yang, who is the CEO and president of the Center for Asian American Women um, Studies and uh, her whole organization that does amazing things. And uh, look forward to uh, continuing the conversation with her. And we will see you next week on a continuation of our fall series of procurement innovation today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.